when you get into these wild places, you realize that there's something much bigger and much larger. And again, it, it takes a lot of that ego out. And, and man, if, if, if you or I could take people on a five-day journey down a river or through the Great Bear Rainforest, they're going to come back with their perspectives change. But I think so many of us, especially in these cities where you get real insular, you lose perspective of really what some of these bigger pictures are. And, and we're just not doing a very good job of looking after people right now is what, what I can see. And um, it, it's, it's sad. It's disheartening. Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. What's up, everyone? I'm Paul Clark. What's up, Paul? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm about to jump onto a big airplane to take me to Tennessee, the southeast, where I'm hoping to explore some of those rivers that I've heard so much about over the last few years. In this episode, however, we're talking to Norm Han in his home office in Squamish, British Columbia. Norm was one of those few people in 2013 who was doing what I wanted to do on a paddleboard. Put a dry bag on deck and paddle, self-contained, in wild, open places. He did a movie called The Stand, documenting one of his long-distant trips, not just to paddle, but to protest a proposed pipeline along the Big Bear rainforest in British Columbia. That pipeline never went through, but Norm still stands for what he believes in and helps promote education and training for paddleboarding and just getting after it with a positive attitude. We're going to listen to a positive attitude, and I want you to take note. Life is not about the antagonistic approach. If you want something, you have to understand it, and you have to pursue it with positivity and humanity. Without further ado, Norm Han. Norm Han, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Paul. Really happy to be here right now. I've been looking to, forward to talking with you because you were one of those few people that I found in my research when I was starting to be a paddleboarder. Is it possible to put a dry bag on a board and do multi-day open water trips? There were some people surfing in the rivers and dropping waterfalls, but you were doing something that was more dear to my heart as a sea kayaker. You were in open water paddling on multi-day trips. And even more than that, you were documenting wilderness experiences and and ecological conservation and cultural awareness projects. I'm like, ah, oh, Norm Han, he's the guy. Uh, and so after so many years, it's great to finally talk to you in person. Thanks for uh, connecting. It's, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm happy to be here chatting with you. You know, one thing that I've appreciated about uh, athletes like yourself is that you, you focus on a cultural history uh, a sense of wilderness and personal exploration. So those are some of the things that we definitely want to talk about. For the people who don't know you, you're a paddler, a Canadian paddler. You're, you're in BC right now. Just give a, a little brief bio of who you are, how you became a paddler, and where you are now. Yeah, for sure. I, I grew up in northern Ontario in a small town called Coniston, and uh, my my grandparents had a cottage on a river out there, and both my parents were school teachers, so our family spent a lot of time in the summers growing up on the lakes and rivers of northern Ontario, and, and, and those are where my roots are, and that's where I started paddling in the canoe, and 
my brother and I had a little motorboat and my two sisters and we'd we'd get out on the water and we'd fish and and just spend all of our summer days on the water so I really when I look back on it I think that's really where my connection to water and land began and I played a lot of sports growing up went to Laurentian University in Sudbury and played five years university basketball and uh, sort of fell into the teaching path. And I've always enjoyed teaching. I, I, I enjoy working with people. And so I went to teacher's college and taught for a couple of years, but realized at that time it wasn't necessarily my path. And I wanted to get on my path. And I knew I'd probably definitely come back to the teaching. So I really started looking at uh, outdoor programs. And so I quit my full-time teaching job, um, much to uh, the challenges with mom and dad, <laughs> and uh, especially for them being school teachers, and packed my Toyota truck up and drove west out to BC. I'd actually worked for my uncle in Banff for a couple of, couple of summers while I was teaching, and, and he, uh, uh, I mean, just, just the mentality of the west, the, the mountains, um, it, it just really spoke to my heart. And so, yeah, made my way west to Vancouver, took my guiding certifications. And in short time, I found myself flying into the Great Bear Rainforest. I got a job at a adventure lodge up there. I was trained as a sea kayak guide, you know, with first aid and, and all of that. I had everything that I needed um, to start guiding on the coast and, and started working at this adventure lodge. And I, 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 I I've never forgotten the first flight into the Great Bear Rainforest and into Gitgat territory. And I had to pinch myself uh, realizing that within the year of quitting teaching and then moving uh, out west that I was now working in this place in Gitgat territory. And uh, everything about it was incredible. And, and realized that once I had chosen my path that things were now falling into place for me to, to support that path. And um, so I worked there as a sea kayak guide and actually started in the winters, getting back to teaching and teaching at outdoor uh, programs. And and then I think it was in 2008 when I started, uh, it was actually Laird Hamilton I saw surfing. Uh, and I was like, man, that looks incredible. Like a, a, an amazing combination of two things I love, paddling and surfing. And so I went out and found a board and, and got on it. But my mind initially, like I, I loved it from the surfing side of things. That was probably the very first thing that I did. But quickly, as a as a sea kite guide, being in the Great Bear Rainforest for the last eight or nine years, I was like, man, this is a this is a really incredible tool. Once I get it figured out, to explore and to connect and to start traveling the coast with a paddleboard, and that's sort of how things uh, began. Does a, a, does a paddleboard replace a sea kayak? It I, has I for me. <laughs> it does for you. It has for me, and I think. Um, you know, I, th I think a couple of reasons for that. I've always loved the, you know, the, the perspective of standing up and being able to see. I found for me with my body as well that the sea kayaking was at times uncomfortable, especially for longer distance that I, distances that I was doing. Uh, but I also love surfing and I love just board sports and I love the simplicity of a paddle and a board. And every time that I went on to flat water to practice skills or get better as a paddler, there were so many different areas where I could apply it, whether it be touring or paddle surfing or getting on the river or what have you. And so um, I, I just really liked it from that aspect. I love the simplicity of it. And I also liked the challenge of it. I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect when I put a big board, you know, 115 liter 
seal line dry bag on the front of my all around surfboard, what was going to happen. And so I like those challenges. I like the challenges of distance and, and, and covering more ground than people thought. And as you know, in the sport of stand up paddleboarding, there's always a lot of naysayers, especially at the start of things saying, ah, oh, you can't do that on a stand up paddleboard. We heard that a lot for the Yukon River Quest and it surprised a lot of people when we went up there and did what we did. Um, but uh, it's been a great tool for me, and is and is the the stand up paddleboarding really has changed changed the trajectory of and, and direction of my life. That's good to hear, and it's good also a confirmation that there there are vehicles to match your personal path, uh, and that when I say you, I mean everyone. I mean I I was a sea kayaker myself and did uh, a lot of work in Alaska and and on the Sea of Cortez. Uh, living in Central Oregon, where I am now, if you're going to do any multi-day trips on the water, it's going to be on a river. And so my path went to the water, and I see myself as a paddleboarder only because of the river, and a river paddler because of paddleboarding. So my my path has become the river, and I haven't really thought about open water uh, uh, trips as much lately. Uh, but it is is a great to to remind us that we need to find our own path in in this world, regardless of what people have to say. But more than just a paddler, you 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 are both an environmental steward and almost a, a cultural historian. Your paddling isn't just about, hey, I'm going and doing my thing. You're actually doing it for a purpose. Yeah, I think, you know, when I when I first started uh, working in the Great Bear Rainforest, and anytime you, you, you spend any amount of time in these wild environments, whether it be on the ocean or in the mountains, uh, you, you can't help but but uh, be humbled by those environments. And in a way, I think when we spend time in these areas, we get we get affected. we get we get inspired by these places. And so it almost naturally brings you down the path of wanting to look after these places that you're 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 spending so much time of your energy and passion in. And I think that you know when there's a threat to any of these areas that you're in, you're like, wait a minute. This, this is, this, you know, you might not know exactly what it is, but there's a feeling of, hey, I need to do something. And really, that's, that's what it's all about, is just wanting to protect those things that you love that are in your backyard or that have had an effect on you. And I think for the bigger picture, I mean, these wild places that we operate in, they, they, they need to be around for generations. Our, our First Nations, you know, they don't just think about their, their kids. They think about their grandkids and their great, great grandkids and, and seven generations of time. So these are much longer times that we're thinking about and that we need to look after these places. They've already been here for 10,000 years. So hopefully these places are going to continue to be here for another 10,000 more. And when I paddle in areas, one thing I really like doing is, is researching the area from a physical standpoint, physical landscape standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, from a historical standpoint, but I always like to think about these places prior to all of the people being there and what were the First Nations doing and what was this place like a thousand years ago and, and I like to let my mind go there and in a way it, it is a cultural journey that you're on and I really like researching these places that I go into because it, it helps paint the picture of the land as well. I think, and, and makes you, it, it ingrains that experience, I think, a bit more for you. That's why, you know, guides and interpretive guides who, who can do a good job with that, um, you know, that's one of the aspects that, that I think is great on, on some of these guided trips. But uh, you, there's tons, Google, you can Google whatever information you need to for, the, for any places that you're paddling in. And uh, I think that's a, a good thing to do. And I hope my audience 
is opening a map of the British Columbia coast right now. Where is the Great Bear Rainforest? So the Great Bear Rainforest is a very large tract of land on the BC coast. It extends from the tip of northern Vancouver Island on the mainland side and extends all the way up to the area that you worked in into southeast Alaska. And it also includes uh, the islands of, of Haida Gwaii. So it's a really big tract of land and, and um, it's, it's a beautiful area, mountains, snow-capped coast mountains, beautiful rivers, fjords, intact marine ecosystems, uh, all types of marine wildlife, grizzly bears, spirit bears, black bears, killer whales, humpback whales. It's a really phenomenal place um, that I've been fortunate to have been able to spend time in. In 2010, there was a proposed pipeline route potentially had some some uh, ecological issues and you took a stand tell us about that yeah so the northern gateway project was a uh, oil project plan from uh, alberta pipeline thousand kilometer long pipeline to be built from alberta to the coast of british columbia and kitimat and then super tankers the size of the empire state building would pick up that oil and travel through not only the great bear rainforest but more importantly the first uh, the, the, the traditional territories of the First Nations people uh, on, on its way out past Haida Gwaii and over to China. And so this was a, a tanker route um, and proposal that, that had been done. I had, I had been up in the Great Bear Rainforest for about eight or nine years, you know, was, was adopted into the Raven Clan in 2006, started stand-up paddleboarding in 2008. And in working with the community of Hartley Bay. I was actually back again teaching in the community and, and working with uh, the youth there and, and one of the elders. And I remember the elder Helen Clifton, she was saying, hey, you guys have to, you know, keep your heads up for this oil tanker, proposed oil tanker route. And I was like, what, what's, what's going on here? And so the more we looked into it and I researched it, um, it the, the more shocking it was. And we'd actually watched the film on the, uh, Exxon Valdez film. Uh, it was called Black Wave. And that I was uh, really moved emotionally by that film and the impact that it had on the people, the First Nations and the wildlife up in Alaska. And I didn't want that to happen on our coastline. So uh, I, I said, what can I do? And at that time, I just started paddleboarding. And so I wanted to paddle the tanker route the, uh, from, from Kitimat down to Bella Bella. Uh, to visit the four First Nations communities, to try and bring awareness to, to the traditional food harvesting of the First Nations and, and the wildlife. And, and this community of Hartley Bay had really in, inspired me and uplifted me. And it was my way of being able to give back to them, but also to help try and bring some awareness to a place that I thought was special. Unfortunately for the U.S., but fortunately for Canada, our coastal people were looking at what was happening Yes. And none of the, you know, and it was, you know, 40, 50,000 barrels of oil spewing into the Gulf each day and they weren't able to stop it. And they, I think it was a big wake up in terms of what could happen. And the Exxon Valdez is not that far away either, right? Just north of, of these areas. And that's the same uh, ecosystem. Yeah, it's the same ecosystem and it's still uh, impacted and affected. So I think, you know, with the First Nations, being totally opposed to it, that was sort of uh, uh, that. That sort of put an end to it. And when when Trudeau came in, he he actually came into the community that I work out of Hartley Bay and Gitgat Territory. And prior to 
you know, uh, being, a, being a prime minister, he was talking to the elders there saying, if I get into power, uh, we'll put a stop to the pipeline route. And, and, he, and he did that uh, very quickly within his first week. He uh, uh, put a ban on t uh, oil tankers on the North Coast. Those Canadian leaders, we need to learn something from them. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, he loves BC. He's, um, he went to school out here. He's connected with the First Nations. And I mean, I think as soon as you get into politics, you yeah. know, things really change. Let's say prior to what your, maybe your, your values are, you know, getting in. Obviously, there, I, I couldn't imagine that type of job um, sure. and the pressures and the directions you're being pulled in. But I think when you look at, you know, incredible places that we have remaining in our world that we, especially now, and especially in the last two or three months, I think in terms of what's, what's going on with the virus, we, we, I think we, it's really important to look after these wild places. So, um, you know, we, we can continue to get into these places and, and have them affect us positively. The, the, those communities are, are quite small, uh, but powerful communities and, and, um, yeah, full, and the more the more remote they are on the coast, the, it seems that the more connect really connected they are to their environment and, and their traditional lands and traditional harvesting grounds, which really inspired me because I had worked up there for ten years, and this will probably come through in the history. But um, that's what one of the things that really inspired me is just it was a whole education for me as well, being a white guy coming from northern Ontario, you know, getting to the coast and going, wow, man, there's you know, there's a different way of thinking, and and it, and it just really mixed well with I think how I viewed things, anyways. So um, I've always been fascinated by that First Nations culture. I'm not sure exactly where that that be, was inspired a long time ago, but it 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 speaks to me. Well, you even have you're you've been invited into the 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 Raven Clan with a, a name, so that's a, that's an honor. It's a, it's a huge honor, and that that honor was actually given to me prior to doing any of these of these journeys. It was actually my old basketball uh, life that brought me back into that. Where the kids love the basketball game of basketball on the coast, so I I coached uh, in the all native tournament and, and got a couple teams ready, and and I was also doing some work in a student mentor program with the lodge that I was working at. And so yeah, Eva Hill adopted me into the Raven Clan, which is you know, the greatest honor I could receive on the coastline, uh, you know, a big responsibility. And um, yeah, they, they, they gave me a Raven name. And so, you know, fast forward a few more years, you know, I remember them saying in the feast hall when they gave me the name that, yeah, when you get a name, it's, it carries responsibility and nothing, nothing really stood out a few years after that. But then when the uh, tanker route uh, was proposed, it's not like I said, "Hey, I've got a responsibility to do this." I was I was really passionate that I needed to do something for what the people in the place had given me. But it was, you know, probably a couple of years in reflecting later that I was like, "Well, that that was, yeah. I mean, that was a way that I could give back to these people." And you were given the name Steerman, the Steerman of the canoe. Yeah, my Gitkat. And it's really funny how you know life comes full circle. Um, my Gitkat name is Taam Lan which was given to me by, um, by an elderly uh, elder in the community. And it means steersman of the canoe. And so, you know, thinking about the history of obviously the First Nations canoe and the steersman guiding things from the, from the tail. But my basketball career, um, 
you know, when I played Laurentian uh, at Laurentian University for five years, our nickname was the Voyagers, right? And we took great pride in being these, you know, these tough French fur trading canoemen, right? And then, you know, then I get the name with what was going on up there. I grew up sort of paddling canoes when I was younger and just being on the water. But that was still, you know, three years away from me actually stand up paddleboard. You know, and awesome. sort of getting into that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, when you get on your path and um, how things just sort of line up for you and come full circle. You made a film about it. We did. The first trip that I did was called Stand Up for Great Bear. And that was the trip from Kitimat down to Bella Bella. And we put, uh, we sort of hobbled together some of our GoPro and handheld footage. And it wasn't a big production, but it was a grassroots film that I think got the message across and, and definitely you know, move some people emotionally. And then I was approached by Anthony Bonello, a filmmaker in Whistler, who had saw the first film and, and actually just called me in Squamish. And we, we sat down and he partnered with Nicholas Tykrob. And he said, I think we can bring this message to a larger audience. And so uh, I looked at a second expedition, which was paddling the length of Haida Gwaii, another unbelievably spectacular coastal place, um, you know, they're two large islands off boats, you know, 70 to 80 miles off the coast of a remote section of, of mainland. And, and so we did that. But we also showcased the First Nations kids in Bella Bella, the Heltzik students who built their own wooden paddle boards. And we combined that with Raft Brewweiler's connection in Tofino, professional surfer. And uh, Nicholas and, and, and Anthony did a fantastic job with that. And um, they they did get the message out to a larger audience because a lot of people had a chance to see it and and um, it's 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 a really great film if you if people haven't seen it yet. It's cinematography. It's it's documentary. It's a way to introduce a people to a larger population to a people that they wouldn't know and uh, potentially a vulnerable population. Uh, the the indigenous people along the the coast of BC and Alaska have. Uh, certainly an ancient history uh, that exists today in many ways and in many forms, though it's a, it, it may be adapted, it's still there. And the, the cultural history is very significant. And so the cinematography of, of The Stand is, 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 uh, is fantastic. I was inspired by it. And as a, as a, as a still photographer then and a paddleboarder, I was really in, intrigued by the, the thought of making movies to to tell a, a larger story. And now I'm making videos, so maybe I could do something eventually in, in, your, in the line that, uh, that you were doing. And uh, I, I look forward to telling better stories. You know, I think, again, Stan Film brought that emotion for people who may never get a chance to be up there. But, um, you know, when we get into these wild places, you're moved emotionally by it. And it's hard to describe that impact that it has on your emotions and it sets deep inside of you these wild places. And, and um, we, we need these types of things as we move forward. And forward, fast, fast forward till now, to now, uh, you're outfitting people, you have a business, you're training people both on the open water and on rivers. You actually just did a, a river clinic, I believe. Um, and you're doing multi-day trip, multi-day uh, supported trips still in the Great Bear Rainforest. When you're doing trips there, are any of the, the indigenous populations uh, guides of yours? Or are you instructing them how to be self-contained in outdoor recreation as well? Are they interested in that? 
Yeah, for sure. One of the things when I work up in the Great Bear Rainforest and work in Gitgat territory is I've got a protocol, a uh, business protocol that I sign with the, the First Nations, uh, the Gitgat people. And so that protocol outlines how um, to operate in the territory. And even when I was sea kayaking, there was numerous opportunities that we had to, you know, get back into the community. And, and, and I've, I've been up there teaching kids how to sea kayak. And then once stand-up paddleboarding started, we brought paddleboards up there and taught the kids as well. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to do more training up in those communities. And, and that's something I really love and enjoy. Um, on our trips, I do work with Marvin Robinson, who's a spirit bear guide. I, Marvin's a good friend of mine that I've known for a long time, ever since I came up to the Great Bear Rainforest. And uh, it, it, it's amazing working with, with Marvin and anybody from the community. Uh, the family that I'm adopted into, Cam Hill and Eva Hill, uh, when I bring clients up into the area most times we're at cam's house or staying at his house or meeting him and that's really to understand a place you have to understand the people of the place and, and know the people of the place so it's a real privilege and honor for me to be able to to do that and open up that you know that that those that side of things for people who don't really understand you know the first nations people maybe and the connection that they have with the land and and just their thoughts and, and values on on place and so um yeah it, it's it's that's my sweet spot up there are those, those trips up in get get territory and and i'm really fortunate to bring sort of small groups up there each year we've had to cancel our trips this year because of the virus and and those small communities with elder populations are really at risk. So I'm, I'm glad that that's happened. We can relook at that when things are safer in 2021 and people's health is ultimately the priority. So, um, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely miss going up there this year and seeing, you know, Cam and Eva and, and the community and, and working with Marvin Robinson. As far as you know, are those communities fairly COVID free? I know BC in general has done a really good job of, of reducing the, the, the spread of COVID, but how are those Indigenous communities? Yes, the communities are doing really well. And I think, you know, here in BC, we've been proactive on a lot of things. And so those communities got shut down pretty quick. And they're still, yeah, super sensitive areas right now. And we need to just, you know, follow their lead in terms of what they need. And yeah, when things are safer, we'll get back to, you know, some of the tourism and things of that sort. But it, it's great people in, in those communities are safe now. Yes, it is indeed. And Belize, on your website, you, you offer trips to Belize. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, I tell you, it's a lot easier selling trips to Belize than it is getting geared up in rain gear and, you know, <laughs> battling up in the Great Bear Rainforest. But uh, uh, yeah, Belize started with uh, a meeting with the owner of Island Expeditions, who's been operating down there 35, 40 years running sea kayak trips, uh, Tim Boyce. He actually reached out to me just through sort of a racing connection and said, hey, we want to bring the, the sport down to Belize and get some of the guides trained up. So I initially went down for a five-day Part of their training program and introduced the sport and we had a lot of fun and good times uh, but i quickly saw that there was a beautiful potential to run a multi-day you know seven day trip down there really using one of the trips one of the trips that they were doing sea kayak wise and modifying it a little bit one of the things that we do on all of these multi-day trips is we have boat support and i think that's really opened up these trips to a lot of people because it's not like we're out 
you know, hammering 20, 30, 40, 50 K carrying all the gear. We can do that if we, we want in other applications, but for those types of trips, we've got the boat support, which provides the safety, carries all the gear and, and really opens up those trips. And Belize is an amazing place. And I've been down there five years now running these trips and the people are beautiful. It's English speaking. Uh, Island Expeditions does an incredible job with, with the program that, that they run down there. It's been great partnering up with them. And, you know, when you're, when you're trying to sell a trip and get people to connect to this incredible barrier reef down there, tropical waters, warm, man, it's a, uh, seems to be easier at times than <laughs> up in Canada here sometimes. But this is what I'm used to. This is what I love. And we take pride in being Canadian paddlers. Whether it be Belize or the BC coast, who is your typical client? What's the demographic? Yeah, I think you know, that's a great question. I think most of our, our clients, especially at, when I first started running these, uh, I mean, the first word that comes to mind is, is adventurous and, and people that you know, aren't quite sure what Norm's doing up in the Great Bear Rainforest, but we're going to give it a go and go for it. So it seems to attract this real, you know, the, these people that want to do things for the first time and, and are adventurous. But we tend to have a, a definitely, you know, a younger crowd, um, you know, maybe, you know, between 35 and, and 55 years of age. But people that are, you know, really want to connect through paddleboard to these places. And I think, you know, probably some of the biggest fears is, you know, with that people have or that, Oh, I'm not ready for that type of trip. But again, we're, we're, we're open to, to everyone. We've had everyone uh, just like the sport of stand up paddleboarding from young to old and families um, who just have the, you know, the inspiration to want to come on these, come on these trips. And of course we're doing a lot of coaching through all of this. So the skill building really increases over the week and allows you to access, uh, you know, aspects of the trip. So again, having that boat support, uh, I've been really fortunate with the clients and people that I've had. Um, really, really great people, and and I'm always I always feel fortunate to be able to do what I do, and to really the goal of of my business is is to connect people on their own personal journeys in these wild and remote places and beautiful paddling destinations. Moving inland a little bit, what do you think of river paddleboarding? I tell you what, every time I go paddleboarding on a river, that's all I want to do. And I'm a coastal guy, right? So I, I love the surfing and I love the coast. But, we, you know, we just ran our river course this weekend. And we, we run this five-day river camp in Canmore on the Kananaskis. And my mind lately has really gone to river paddling. And, and like you, I've really been starting to research some of the bigger rivers and 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 multi-day river paddling destinations because i've done a lot of the paddling on the coastline and i find myself going to the interior and 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 going to the river and uh, i think the yukon river quest inspired me you know that race and i've been looking at the peel watershed up in up in the yukon and yeah i'm, I'm super excited about that and Again, my sweet spot is the coast and sea kayaking and, you know, that background and guiding. So I'm continuing to build up my experience on the river. And that's uh, something that, you know, maybe I should come and spend a week with Paul on, on the rivers and, uh, you know, get some uh, get some more, more experience. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's an inspiring place. And I think wherever you live, you tend to gravitate to what your 
physical environment is like. And so if you're in a river area and you love paddleboarding, well, that's sort of what you work on. If you're on the coast, you know, you're more maybe touring side of things. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about the river stuff. I would love to paddle on a river. I'd love to do a trip. Let's let's certainly stay in touch and, and make something happen. And you were you spent uh, this last week with Rita Boychuk. She was a, a guest on the podcast earlier. <laughs> were you able to keep up with her energy? Oh my gosh, she's a ball of it, isn't she? Yeah, she she well, and I love it because she brings a lot of energy and a lot of passion. And my other instructor, Tina Curry, and and another one of my guides, Eduardo, together they had more energy and passion over the weekend. That I just uh, I just let them go at it and uh, it was it was awesome. But it it's again I I think when you look at people who paddle on the river and in these you know dynamic environments, all of these environments create a humbleness in people and generally attract really good people. Because if you're not humble or if there's ego involved in it, you know the river is going to make sure that it 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 puts you in the right place. Same with the ocean, right? Same with the mountains. And so that river crew, you know, Rita and then all of the bad fish crew. And, you know, when I used to work with boardworks, it was just a, it was that we live water mentality. And I think that's, it attracts good people and, and we have a lot of fun. I'm associated with a board brand. Uh, you're associated with a board brand. Can we ever just be a, 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 a bros, not brands type of thing? There's just so much like of our responsibilities to highlight this commercial project. Yeah, and and again, my philosophy on that, and that has always been that we're many of us who are who are athletes, and first of all, like I think you know, for you as well. But when I look at choosing a brand, I, I first look at good people. It has to be a good product. You know, they got to provide good support, and ideally, that fourth component is what are they doing conservation wise. But I've also realized that I, I, I'm not. To me, the brand is the third thing down the line. I. Many of us may change brands. I, I've changed brands. So I never get too tied to the brand. And at the end of the day, what's most important is that people get on, if it's about product, it's, you know, let's get people out onto the product that, that works best for them. But I've spent more time advising people to buy boards or paddles that had nothing to do with me and, you know, <laughs> I never brought anything back to me. I just want people to get into the right gear. But to me, it is, it, it is bros versus brand, like, it, it, it's about the people. Brands are secondary to me. Third. Perfect. I just wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I, I yeah, I think too too many people get. I, you know, somebody. And I never say anything on social media emotionally. I leave that. Like I just, I just try and promote a, you know, focus on what we do and and the positivity and supporting other people. I'm, I'm going to give you the best advice I can, in spite of whatever brand it is. And yes. so that's always been my philosophy on things. Uh, I think we're fortunate that we do have brands that support us and help us out and, and that, but it's about the people again. That, that's it, isn't it? You know, the paddleboard is just really a, a vehicle for a person's creativity and exploration. And it, it's really meaningless if it's not with a bigger purpose. Yeah, and I, I think that, again, that when it comes back to us paddling, we're, we're, we're actually some of the fortunate people that get a chance like to paddle and, and to be in these areas because it's these natural environments and the first nations values and ways of looking at things that, that changes our values. And I think what we're seeing right now is like, I, I believe this, you believe that, and we're going to go at it till 
somebody till Paul caves or Norm caves and okay, maybe I'll take on your, your thoughts, but it's just, it's fighting. And it's like, we don't need this. And when you get into these wild places, you realize that there's something much bigger and much larger. And again, it, it takes a lot of that ego out. And, and man, if, if, if you or I could take people on a five day journey down a river or through the great bear rainforest, they're going to come back with their perspectives change. But I think so many of us, especially in these cities where you get real insular, you lose perspective of really what some of these bigger pictures are. And, and we're just not doing a very good job of looking after people right now is what, what I can see. And um, it, it's, it's sad. It's disheartening. How do people move forward? What's your advice for someone just to stand up? It's, it's, it's a vulnerable position to stand up, to, to take a stand on something that's meaningful. What, how, how do you recommend someone to find their path and to pursue it, even though it might be yeah. difficult? Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, taking a stand comes from, you know, your, your, your passion and conviction about something that you feel really strongly about. And I've always tried to do it personally from a more positive angle versus an angle of saying no or saying you can't do this or shouldn't do that. I've always really wanted to get people, and I think it's maybe the reason why I started running the trips in the Great Bear is to, is to allow people their own connection up there to see for themselves what it's like. And I want people to be moved emotionally so that they understand what's at risk in these places. And I think you can never overestimate the power you have as an individual to start a movement and to take a stand. And whether that stand goes anywhere beyond you, it doesn't matter. It's, it's how you feel about it. But I also think you have to think about how you take that stand. And I think we have to care for people, you know, within that stand, whatever that may be about. And one of the things that I, that I, that I get sad about is just watching, especially in the last couple of months, you know, things that I'll see on social media where we're just not caring for people. We're not respecting people. And, you know, I think we do need to take that stand, but we need to take that stand in the right way and, and, and take that stand with, with care. And it's okay to feel strongly about something, but I don't think it, it can be an argument between you and something else or you, I win, you lose. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that lately. And I think what's happened in the last couple of months is a lot of stress has been created in society. And when you have stress like that, or when you have these challenges that come up, you need to have good leadership to take you through these times. And a lot of times we can't wait for other people to lead us. We need to have our own leadership and, 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 and self-lead. And so what are the things that I need to do in taking that stand? Or what are the things that I need to do to work myself through these dark times? And I think so much of, a lot of times we're, we're, we're blaming other people or we're, 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 we're placing the responsibility in other areas. And, and who wants to give away their responsibility? So I like, I like feeling responsible. And as soon as you take that stand, it brings an added level of responsibility. And that's what getting a name taught me. And that's what I was told in the feast hall. They said, we're giving you this name in this community, this 
a name has a lot of power and, and responsibility placed on it. So the responsibility is to act appropriately with that name on your back. But at the same time, what are the things that you can do um, to, to, to uh, what are the things you can do with that responsibility? Do you have any opportunities to stand up and to take a voice? And if you do, then, then you should do that. But not at the detriment, I don't think, of, of hurting somebody else or disrespecting, you know, other people. And it's, it's challenging times. So I, I would just say to people to, you know, take that stand, but do it in the right way and, and, and realize the power that you have as one person to, um, to stand up for things and, 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 and to, to have a movement. Powerful message. Thank you, Norm. What was your name given? The name that was given to me was Taam Lan, and it's a, a, a raven name. It was given to me by an elder in Hartley Bay, and it's uh, you know one of the proudest moments that I've had is, is receiving that name in that, in that community because it lets me know that I was doing things right within the territory, and so I'm really sensitive um, and with, with that name and, and in terms of how I operate. But I take those values, you know, that I've learned from my family and learned from my adopted family in Hartley Bay and try and lead my life in the right way and affect people as, as positively as best as best I can. And so it's always a really good reminder um, of, of trying to do the do the right things with that name. And it means steersman of the canoe. So it, it also has come full circle for me because I grew up paddling, you know, a canoe in Northern Ontario, and those are my roots, and I love uh, Northern Ontario. Um, I, I played five years university basketball, and we, our nickname was the Voyageurs, so Frenchmen, canoe, uh, paddling, fur traders, and we took a lot of pride in being a Voyageur, and then receiving the name, and four years after receiving my steersman of the canoe name, starting to paddleboard. Um, so it, that, that name really signifies sort of who I am, my history, what I'm doing now, and probably where I'm headed in the future. There's a strong, there's a strong message happening right now of resistance, of of social inequity. Uh, looting and rioting isn't necessarily a part of the original message, but it's whatever is happening, people are taking note. A lot of the graffiti and a lot of the 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 signage includes, you know, a person's fist. Resist, resist. We have to resist. We have to take a stand. We have to identify what our causes are in the world. But I really like your message. It's not about finding an enemy or associating ourselves with pride based on skin color, but it's humanity. I began this podcast the first day of the Oregon coronavirus quarantine, and I, I, I said at the end of the podcast, just serendipitously, let humanity be more important than the person. You've brought that full, full circle for me in this episode, Norm. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's humanity that's important. And I've been kind of in this turmoil of, of political dichotomy of, oh, the right is this and the left is that. And, you know, can we hit that reset button for 2020 yet? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And it's, uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, even Jen was saying, wow, you know, we got to get through 2020. I'm like, no, you know what? Let's enjoy every moment that we've got and come out of this strong. I, I know we didn't come into it strong, but there's a lot of things that I've learned in the last two or three months that are really going to 
carry me forward. And I think we did have the opportunity to look at this and go, how am I going to approach this positively? Or how am I going to use this as, a, as, as, as an excuse to be able to loot or to call people out or to take a stand and get angry, you know? And it's all about our approach on these things. And, and uh, you know, down in the States, pretty tough with the leadership that's going on. Like, you can also blame and focus on that. And it's like, you know what? We just need to do what we can do. And um, hopefully that stuff will sort it, sort its way out. But I think that's really where when you have these challenges in an outdoor environment, you need leadership to stand up. And it's just showing how weak leadership is at, at the levels that we need it. Trudeau and the Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, they're, they're definitely examples of people. And you're on that too, examples of people who um, are doing it in, in more humanitarian ways. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, Justin's a, a, a good person. And and I think that's really important. And I think that's where all of this comes, you know, comes from. Again, it's that self-leadership. And then, yeah, you're looking you're looking after people and looking after people's interests. And you have to do it with care. Let this your message be the message that to that uh, that stands out today. And I want to highlight that. Thank you so much. And I'm going to wrap it there. Have a great day, Norm. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Thank <laughs> you.